Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Milford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. It might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. Sacco in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the runner option. Jermaine Sacco will score. Broncos fans, and welcome to a very special Nicarima departing <laughs> the Broncos episode Broncos <laughs> Weekly. Plus, there's also round seven and round eight and all other news. But anyway, as always, I'm Mitch. I'm joined on the line by our good friend Simo. How you doing, Simo? Yeah, no, pretty good, eh? How about yourself? My rugby league is saved. We're back. Oh. Who, ne- who needs Wayne? Nicarima's gone. Everything's right. <laughs> it's, you get a win, you, you send off Nicarima, the world is, everything's looking up. It, it's rugby league heroin, mate. I've been passed out in the living room floor in bliss for the last two days. <laughs> Smacking my veins. <laughs> no, well, I've done like 33 hours at work the last three yeah. days, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I did 33 and a half. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, really? We're doing no. that, eh? Hey? <laughs> yeah, my dad's stronger than your dad as well. Well, I'm doing a 15-hour day tomorrow, so come back yeah. and talk to me then. <laughs> my dad will feel like 15 hours. <laughs> Anyway, um, how was your touch today, mate? Let's go through that first. The, the, always the best um, I don't know how much more I can talk about touch footy because one of the blokes in the team is threatening to listen to this podcast. So Threatening? Is that <laughs> his threat? Does he know you talk about it now? No, no he, oh, he's just a Broncos fan, I think. But, uh, threatening. He's like, yeah, I'll have to listen. It's like, oh, I don't know if I can make up stories about touch football. And, uh, <laughs> Next week he'll be like, yeah, look, I wasn't in too much today, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't um, score seven tries. <laughs> No, this yeah we've got another win six three. These teams like because they're a lot of juniors. Like over the course of the season, they get a lot better. Like at the start, you just roll through them. But six three after going down two one, so yeah, not too bad. Got myself a hat trick. Yeah, well there you go, mate. Yeah, well next week you'll be saying yeah, yeah hat trick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> When your mates listen to you, but that's good. How about, how about your game? Mate, we lost 6-3. So, but uh, it was actually, it was the best we played. And I, um, I did the classic, I did, how would I, I did like young Benji. Not saying I was as good, but I got overconfident. I um, I set a couple of tries up, and then I just did some stupid, stupid shit <laughs> later in the game. It happens. Uh, I was like, mate, I'm good at this. <laughs> and then... You know, just I dropped two balls on first tackle in our end because I thought I thought you know I'm so good I'm going to create something from here. Anyway, whatever we had a um we had a, actually had a, with this competition we played in we've had terrible referees every week. Like I don't I don't rest fault, but it's more they don't set the five. And the fact there's a marker if you don't set the five, it's really hard to like get a roll on. 
because like yeah. if there's already a marker and the other guys aren't five meters back, essentially the first to go off for a hit up, he gets touched after a meter or two. Anyway, this ref actually set the five, and then that's like I had so much joy darting out a dummy half, and then just playing back on the inside or you know or the guy on my outside, which is good. But he did it. He he gave a penalty try against us in a game of touch. I mean that's impressive for offside. <laughs> you know, and, but the, the guy got touched by onside players as well. I think he gave the wrong call. I think he thought the person who was offside touched him and he scored, and then couldn't back down. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was a it was a penalty try. He was so offside. It was it was weird. We are just talking about refs. There's a couple of instances, a couple of things tonight. But they had a try where the bloke dived for the line, and he put it down early, and then like rolled it over the try line. And the ref was going to blow it a try, and he's like, oh, did anyone get him? No, no. And I said, oh, but he put it down early and then, like, pushed it across. I said, is that not a knock-on? And he was, he's like, oh, I didn't really see it. And he was about to blow a try, and then the bloke on the other team's like, oh, yeah, I rolled it over the line, though, as if, like, I got it on the line eventually. And he's like, oh, well, if you rolled it over, that's a knock-on then. <laughs> I was like, man, you dobbed yourself in. That's great. But the ref tonight, he came, he said it was a new rule. And so, I don't know, sometimes we just get new rules in the middle of the season, like we catch up eventually, I guess. But you know how, well, normally going out of half, the bloke, like say the toucher, and then somebody runs from half, they, they're not supposed to change their angle. Like they can go back on an angle, but they can't move. So we'll have one of our quick blokes, we'll take like three steps on a right angle and then cut back to the left. And you're taking that player out because, you know, they're, they're not allowed to move with you. Yeah. But he was letting them like fault, like shadow us. The he's like, oh, it's okay as long as they don't impede your run. And it's like, well, no, this is the only move we have. So please let us do this. <laughs> that's why only one six three. Hey, that's funny. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, the ref. I wasn't trying to yell at him because I understand. I still respect referees, even though they can, I have every now and then I'll say something stupid. But I was like, I just said, sir, like, what was that try? What, why was that a try? And he would just ref- did the classic refuse to answer me. I'm like, sir, why was that a try? And he said, it's a penalty. It's a try. It's a try. So I go to speak to him at half time, and immediately he does that stuff when he's being a dick to me. It's like, no, I said, I was like, mate, honestly, I just want to know what that ruling was because I'm new to this competition. I want to know what it was so we can play off, you know, so we know what's going on. And they still sometimes, you know, you get, they just don't want to explain themselves to you. Like, I, was, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't go up and yell at him. I just walked up to him. I was like, mate. Oh God, Pickles is back. You're going to vomit on my bed, I think. You bastard, Pickles. Don't you do that. Yeah, I can hear him. You can hear him? I can hear him. That's good audio. Yeah. Hey, Pickles. <laughs> Thanks, <gone>. mate. <laughs> Come on, I'll give you the Heimlich movie. Like, there you go. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, yeah, some referees, you know, they're getting their high horse and they're too good to talk to. He was actually a good ref the rest of the game, but I still don't understand. He told me it was a penalty try, and I don't know how that's yeah. a thing. Anyway, let's move on, stop whinging about our touch teams. we actually got a lot of talk about this episode. So before we get into the um, the game review and the game preview and all that jazz, there actually is some Broncos news this week that isn't just dribble out of the club. So, <laughs> so obviously everyone's heard the news, we've opened the podcast with it, and okay, obvi- it's not been confirmed, it's, but it's obviously going to happen. He's not playing this week, he's... Got told, we got been told his future isn't confirmed. We've been told that Warriors offered him, but essentially Nick Aramis played his last game for the Broncos. He's off to the Warriors. How much of like a cat is this guy though? Like he gets told he's not going to be the halfback. You know, do you want to try something? He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to a different team, different whole country. Like, yeah, mate. Oh, mate, what, look, what a good mentality to try to like earn that spot back or whatever. Yeah, nah, good look, on him. If I'm him, just go, mate. If I'm him as well. I'm not going to blame any of him. Just go. I'm happy with like. No, I just think it's still a crap attitude from him. 
Yeah, it's one of those things that I, I still wanted him as like that bench hooker, but it's good to know he'll never be a halfback ever again. Oh, like don't get me wrong, I'm extremely stoked by it all, but yeah, I just think it shows deep down what he's like. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things like. It's again. I'm not saying he's the world's worst player when I say I'm happy he's never going to be our halfback again. We've just been through this. He's not the mix with Milford. We know that. And yes, he was only on a small contract, so he outperformed his two fifty thousand dollars or whatever value for us. But whatever, get your five hundred k a year or six hundred k a year at the Warriors. You know, go play for the national team, and then maybe you'll succeed more yourself as well when you're playing with Blake Green and Isaac Luke and two of us as Sheck, rather than you know failing to. To be the controlling or at least more ball dominant half that we require. Um, we're definitely getting ready for like him having two good games, right? And then oh, Broncos shouldn't have let him go. Oh mate, any time he could have fifteen bad games, and then he'll have that one game where he has like a nice flat line break and score. And Broncos fans, young and old, will be popping up again. Oh, we let Nick around go. This dearden kid's got not nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Uh yeah, it's for sure. It's one of those things, though. Like, Nikarima, if you're the Warriors, it's like... it's For us, It's I don't want him either way. He's on 250k, and he's it's that thing where he's good value. But now the Warriors are paying him five or 600. They released Milf, uh, Sean Johnson... So I called him on Twitter, full cream Sean Johnson for a million, and they just signed 2% Sean Johnson for five 600k. He's no longer good value. He's just an average... You're paying a below-average half average money... Good on you. Like it's just like one of those things. Is like yeah. there's no, there's not a lot of upside to it for them. No, I just is, yeah, it's just baffling the fact that they've let the Sean, Sean Johnson go, and then they're essentially just buying the same player, but, but, but just worse. A, a worse version. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And I mean, Sean Johnson's been more injured more than not, so maybe it was just good timing from them. But still, I like. Who doesn't love Sean Johnson? Yeah, I know, and it's pretty funny. Remember this came out, like, right end of last year, and they were interested in him. Well, that was the rumour, and then the Warriors were, like, denying it. Oh, we didn't say it. We haven't spoken to him. We don't want him. It, they've already admitted when they've gone for him this time, oh, yeah, we spoke to him last year. We wanted him then. <laughs> we just couldn't get him. Yeah, I'm just confused why it didn't happen in the off-season. I think like, we wouldn't let it happen. Now, I mean... I'm also confused by that, because surely if you're Seabold, you watched the 24 Broncos games last year, and you're like, yeah, that guy's trash at seven there. Like, what's, what has happened to completely change Seabold's mind in, like, eight games, seven well, I mean, games? You know, as we've said it a few times in this podcast, it felt like did and was just inevitable they were going to use him. And it, it does seem maybe they wanted a couple of Q Cup games in him, and they moved over to Nicarima. But it does seem weird in that sense that a guy can go from being your starting halfback for seven rounds to out of the club, like mid-season transfer, you know? Like, I know it happened with Mitch Moses, for example, but it was a bit different to this one. It was like he got chased and a lot of money and signed the deal, then then moved mid-season switch. I mean, but, if you really want seven games for Dearden in Q Cup, like, play Jack Bird there for a few games and Staggs as a centre, or play Sean O'Sullivan for a few games, like... You you don't have to just keep Cody around for seven games before shipping him off to New Zealand. Well, yeah, that that is the weird thing, I guess, because he was go- it seems like he was going to go regardless. And at least if you started with Sean O'Sullivan, potentially if he, if he performed to a certain level, you could have just stuck with him. Yeah, the, you can have a look at him at least at NRL level. Yeah, exactly. And then no, if it, well, if he doesn't work after seven or eight weeks, we can go to 
did and as we planned to anyway, but if he does work, we can give Dearden some more time, I guess. But it, it is interesting in that regard. I'm just I'm very relieved that like it was it wasn't even that much happiness that he was gone to the Warriors. It was just that relief that it's like that's one of our problems solved. There's still problems there, and it's not the fact that Dearden's going to come in and be the miracle, you know be the, the cure-all for our spine, but it's like, we knew this one didn't work with Milford, and that's gone. We can see what else we've got. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge upside of filling your side with half Kiwis. Like, if you need to get rid of one of them, it's not, <laughs> like, the Warriors will always take a Kiwi. Yeah, and I guess the bonus we have is, like, Stephen Kearney worked for us, so it seems like, like, at one point, I think Jordan Carr, who was linked back there last year, but it seems like any Kiwi we don't want, they, they'll probably take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's probably a bit like Cowboys too, in that like a lot of those players is happy to play up there and like not live in a big city. Like they're happy to live in Townsville and take a bit less. And I'm sure a lot of Kiwis players are happy to like you know live in New Zealand, yeah, and play well, over there. And we have got this is the first this is the positive of the Isaac Moses experience. I'm on now. I'm back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because this well, always not, loved him. Yeah, because obviously Nick Rem is not allowed to talk to the Warriors yet, right? But it's a situation where Isaac Moses has like half of our players, like half the Warriors players, has our head coach, has their head coach, and he also has he has our recruitment manager. I believe he has theirs as well, who's Sean O'Sullivan's dad. It's like he no, doesn't no. have to talk to anybody. He knows everyone. Um, he's, got, he's got them all in a group chat. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's how this got resolved. Eh? It was like a just group DM, just, just Twitter DM. Yeah. yeah, hashtag Cody at DM or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's it, uh, and then and as for Dearden, I mean, I'm actually I'm absolutely shocked that he hasn't been called the next Alfie this week. Absolutely shocked because he has blonde hair. I mean, he got called early in preseason, and I've actually also been shocked that there has been some pressure put on him, but there hasn't been the ridiculous expectation put on him yet. I mean, he's not going to get called the next Alfie because he's not short and bald, and that's all anyone remembers of Alfie. Yeah. Like no one remembers before from his first stint at the Broncos. That's too far back. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, for Dearden, he's he's the people. He looks one of those halves that looks shorter than what he is. If you get me when you look at him, yeah. Because I mean, I've watched him play Q Cup, and I'm sure some of our fans have now. He's only played the four games that I watched or four of them. But he's he's one seventy eight centimeters, which is you know what is he like five foot ten? So he's just like he's like Cooper Cronkite. That's not that small. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I don't right. know. I don't know his actual weight because they, they're always false. But he's listed as the Broncos and Preseason submitted him as eighty kilos, and they've now claimed he's put on seven kilos. I don't know if that original number is real or not, but he's certainly having looked at his preseason trial body and his what his body was like when he last played Q Cup. He certainly put some weight on too. So it does seem like when Seawell was talking in preseason that Dean's kind of the guy that they've really worked on, like. He's going to be in first grade, just pack a few kegs on there and they'll get him in there. He's, but at least putting a bit more solid weight on will make him less of a bloody speed bump. <laughs> yeah, well, anyone's a bit better than Cody's defence, so... Yeah, that's it. And um, as for Dearden, if you guys haven't seen him play, there's obviously... I've, there's only, I've only seen a four-game game sample size plus pre-season and, and his, you know, some of his youth games, so it's still a real small sample to, to, to know what to expect from him. But from what I've seen, the mo- I think, and you've seen some of it too, Simo. The most notable thing is he has the st- almost the stupidest dummy you've ever seen. <laughs> but it's, I'm, I'm yeah. not here for it. It's like Blake Lawson levels of dumb. Like he throws it, you know, into the moon and back, and then takes. Like almost pops his shoulder every time he throws a dummy. Like he does. He puts some effort into it. He does. So you'll, you'll, be, you'll probably see a few of those tomorrow night. And then at that Q Cup level, he has got the willingness to take the line on. Probably backs himself. 
too many times, but you'd like that more than when the guys who just shuffle the ball on, if you get me, backs himself to run too many times, but that's okay. Plays plays nice and direct on occasion. Sometimes he has gone sideways, I've seen, but the, the advantage I feel like when he has the ball in, in, in his hands and he plays with it in two hands is because he's got that dummy and he also he likes looking back on the inside, it's a genuine threat. Forget me, the dummy, because he's a few times that when kick up watched him play back on the inside a few times, hammer inside, 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 and then would dummy his next run, which is, you know, that's a bit of a smart play from him. In terms of some of the things he wanted to see out of Nick Green, but that he didn't bring, I mean, you can't expect him to be a leader. He's 18. You can't expect him to go out there and communicate and lead. So that part's probably not going to come yet. Maybe it would. It'd be surprising if he did. Maybe it would. That's not going to come. And also, I've seen he hasn't. he's not really a dominant kicker at the at, uh, Manly Winham. The dominant kicker is, uh, what's his name? The other, the other blo- uh, Sam Scarlett. Sam Scarlett. Oh, we should put him in the side. I reckon he'd be good. <laughs> but that's it, right? So it's, um, so he's, he's a, he is the dominant kicker. But, and I said, I said Winham Manly. I said Manly Winham, didn't I? Yeah, whatever. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, he's, um, he's the dominant kicker. But that he has been quite a few good, nice short kicks from, that I've seen from, from Dearden, which is a good thing because often we do get stuck in situations when it's impossible to get Milford to kick, if you get me, on the other side of the field or Milford's got tackled on fourth or fifth and you want another genuine option, at least if he's a genuine option that his kicking game isn't as bad as Cody's, which is almost impossible that it can be, that will free up Milford in some regard. Yeah, we don't need him to have Cooper Cronk's kicking game, but just a, a decent kicking game will help Milford. Yeah, yeah, and we don't need him. Like we do, we do lack, you know, leadership as I said before, and someone steering that team. He's not going to step up all the time. Today. I can't expect that from him. But I have seen he does. He does like getting his hands on the ball. And if we can get him taking, you know, fifteen more touches of the ball, coming back and turning his forwards back on the inside, just doing that kind of small things. That's that's a bit. That's a big big up as opposed to what Nick Ram would do. Nick Ram had played a lot on the outside, always looking on the outside, looking to go sideways and straighten for his step. If Dearden can create doubt in defenders' minds by bringing guys back on the inside and outside and using his dummy, it's automatically it's going to create more opportunity for us on that right edge. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see David. I'm sure you are. I'm not expecting the world. I don't know about you, Simo, but... I, my level of happiness is just above Nicarima, which yeah. is pretty low, so... Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what the floor is set for me, right? If he doesn't let us down massively on defence if you can kick sort of okay and occasionally provide something in attack I'm already happy yeah <laughs> so, it's, it's not hard to make us happy with like what we've had so you're right you're right and it just feels like you know now at least again he'll probably get all season to work out but you'll happily let an 18 year old make some mistakes and learn whatever. Nick Kramer is 25 at this point. He's had a, well, he had two and a half years of trying to make that jersey years, and it didn't happen. And if Dearden doesn't work, and I don't think they'll give up on an 18 year old unless it goes terribly. Now we still have some other guys like Sean O'Sullivan who can have a run. Who I actually I'm like I know the club put Dearden ahead of him. I'm actually still surprised O'Sullivan isn't the one that got a shot because I, I've watched him play as well and. I feel like he fits more of the foil role for Milford that it looks like, but I'm happy to be proven wrong by Dearden. Probably potentially they've just gone with a better player, not the the better type of fit. Yeah, you know, like we've said a lot of this when Pete were talking about like picking this player or that player, and it's you know the coaches see 
a lot more of these players than we do, like at training and stuff like this. So, you know, maybe there's something there that they're seeing they'd rather have in the side than what O'Sullivan would bring. Well, that's it. And I mean, Tom Flegler did over the preseason earned his jersey. And I think Dean's done the same thing. Stuff we didn't see, but Flegler jumped up that depth chart to a place he wasn't previously. So potentially that's what we've seen from from Dearden once once Seabold got there. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the game review. Yeah, unless there's anything else we can talk about there, Simo? Nah. Okay, so we finally got back in the winner's circle. Finally. And on a Saturday too. Anyway, Brisbane Broncos... Uh, defeated the Cronulla Southland Shark 29-6 last Saturday at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, the Broncos tries. You've got one to Corey Oates, one to Alex Glenn, one to Jofa Angawe, and one to Jimmy the Jet. Uh, conversions, four from four for Asako, two penalty goals for Asako, and a field goal for Milford. Over on the Shark side, Jaden Braley, one try, Chad Townsend, one conversion. In what was our most comfortable win in maybe since before last year? Yeah, probably. I, I just before we talk about this, mm-hmm. I guess I would like to preface preface everything we say with like, I think this performance was what you would expect. Like this was a bad shark side with half their players injured. Mm-hmm. We I would have expected us to put them away comfortably, and we put them away comfortably. Like I I don't know if there's a huge amount more you can really read into this with how many players they had out and how bad some of their players were. Yep, yep, I agree as well. There's, um, obviously, it's nice to win a game, but this one win doesn't fix all the problems we have. It looked a lot, no, like, easy, looked a lot easy out there because it was easy out there. Like, I mean, we've had other games where you the side should go out and put away like a bad bulldog side and mm. we get beaten and Sam Cassiano slam dunks on Cody Nicarima or whatever. Like... You know, we've had definitely had performances before where you expect a certain level from your team, expect them to do something, and it doesn't happen. But so, like, it's not a bad thing that we went out and did what would be expected of this side. But I yep. just think that's what happened. Exactly, I, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, some of the boys played well, and but you know, if you look at the shark side, William Kennedy was at fullback for his second game, and he didn't have the greatest night. And Ronaldo, that's his only name now. He's just Ronaldo <laughs> debuted on the wing. <laughs> And they still had, you know, didn't hear, by the way, I watched the post-match press conferences, didn't hear John Morris blame the 19-year-olds 15 times. That was that was interesting. But I mean, that's a, why he doesn't have the Broncos gig. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, that's mate. Harvard thinking that. Yeah, it is. So he blamed it. There's a lot of young fellas there. And then they lost Sean Johnson after 22 minutes. And I already thought the game was comfortable then. But once they lost Sean, it was like, well, there's literally no chance of losing this game. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, I mean, you got to feel sorry for Ronaldo, really. Like... That's that's about as bad as you can have a debut, and like all your friends and family are there, and like you know, Milford just had to keep doing it because it was working all night. Like you, you're going to keep buying him if he's going to keep dropping them, you know. Like exactly, exactly. But you feel sorry for the bloke. Yeah, he made he made four mistakes, and William Kennedy made two, and most of them are from Milford forcing those mistakes. And but I think that's one of the more pleasing things, though, is that. Milford did persist with that and so did the team. There's been many a game where we've, we've had Milford putting some nice kicks up then we just start not giving him the ball. Yeah. Go, going else. But he just persisted with that kicking and kept putting those those swirling bombs up. He can, he can start to really get into his game. He did a few against the Raiders and Chancellor Clocks had somehow caught them all. 
but he put a few of them up and in between Ronaldo and Kennedy and neither of them wanted anything to do with it. And there was probably a couple that even when we, we chased through, we could have scored off of if we, if, you know, if we batted back better or similar or retained possession. You just, when you see those swirling bombs go up, you just like it just seems more likely that they'll drop it or not catch it than they will. Like yeah. some of them are just moving around so much, you, they, yeah, it's hard to catch. It is, but I, look, I've been told he hasn't got anything in his game though, Milford. He hasn't improved at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, he puts a bomb up that like that's only like a bomb that Adam Reynolds can put up, Cooper Cronk can put up, and maybe that's it. I and only Billy Slater it. can catch. Yeah. And Nickel Clockstad, the, uh, the, Norwegian, yeah. the Norwegian Billy Slater, they're calling him. <laughs> and, I also, I also, yeah, and I also did enjoy as well, by the way, that the bomb, like midfield bombs can be tedious. They were working this up, which is good. But also the attacking kicks is that we stopped trying to score off every bloody kick. There was a couple ones like that, but he started just dribbling them in behind and turning the pressure on. And that's what we've needed. So I get, sometimes I get sick when you watch us, us play and... You know, we'll kick an attacking a grubber dead because we're trying to score off every time we get down there. It's like, no, if you had four or five tackles, didn't score, you can just reset sometimes. And Milford did a few of those in this game. That was good to see. Yeah, I mean, Milford had a great game, but, you know, as we said, obviously it's it's not the hardest thing when you, your side's just rolling forward like that. It's You know, it makes it a lot easier for your halves to play. It does, it does. And, I mean, we've obviously rolled forward a few times this, this season, but in this particular game... We just rolled all over them, and it was on both sides of the ball. Like, our line speed was really good when we forced mistakes, and we were just all over them. I mean, we had 10 players make over 100 metres, and then some other guys made 80, 73, 73 out of the halves. Like, we were all over them <laughs> the whole way through. So, as you said, it was bit, made it made easier for, for Milford in that regard, but it's good to see him take advantage of that. Like, the, the tries he set up in the first half were, were pretty simple, but yet that first try, the execution from him and Oates and Pangai, the, the, the line Pangai ran was, was exceptional. And it was good to finally see a different set play that potentially Seabold's brought over because it's been some time, it had been seven games, sorry, six games, we hadn't seen any of them yet. Yeah, I mean, it's just great not passing to Darius Boyd. So yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, it was all for the offence in the first half. It was like all Milford, and then instead of having Darius Boyd swept, no, Corey Oates swept. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's win, 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 everywhere. Yeah, it is. And the funny thing is, in the second half, the try Jimmy the Jet scored as well, it was actually the same play, and Milford, sorry, McCulloch threw it like a metre over Milford's head. <laughs> so Oates Classic couldn't run it, but, but we scored off of it. And, and as, as for the forwards, I think this... And we said we spoke about it before the game, man. You did. It's like this is the best pack we can name in terms of. Yeah. Joe O is oh, he was so good, by the way, but he's so much better off that bench and that starting pack. And then you know having Pangai at lock, Gillard on the right edge. That's the right composition too. And that that pack for me, like that, will give our backline a lot and our number nine a lot of opportunity this season to win football games from here on. Yeah, I don't have too much else to say. Like it, obviously, it worked really well. Um, even with other you know combinations, our pack's been pretty good this year. But just that, just it, it clicked. It did, it did. And mate, Payne Haas might be all they made him out to be. Yeah, he might be. I mean, still, he's like five games into his career, but he, he's doing all right, eh? Yeah, he is. He is. I mean, again, I know. Again, it's the Sharks of the week, but he's just been every game. He's been consistent and backed backed up every game. He's looking really good and. We'll talk about the test that's about to come, but I'm, I'm very excited to see how he plays against against South. And they're pretty physical packs, so that'll be interesting. Um, other things to note in this game. You got anything else you want to bring up, Simo? Um, no, not really. 
Yeah, I've got one or two things I'll say. Firstly, that's Darius Boyd's ceiling now, eh? Like, being okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've always thought for most of his career he's been a good fullback with some great seasons, but even this is still a, a step or two down from that generally, like, the good floor he's had. Yeah, but his um, ceiling is now passable. Yeah. <laughs> And, but he made oh, he made two one on one tackles though he he crunched Bronson the Sherry and he also dragged Bra- J- uh, what was it Blake or Jaden Braley back like fifteen meters so that was fun. <laughs> I mean he's just a flat track bully now at this point. He is, he is. Um, and then other ones Jack Bird had uh, another another pretty solid game. I mean he did run a bit too sideways on occasion but at least he's physical when he does it and he draws a few defenders in. And one I wanted to mention is that. Okay, Broncos fans, the ones, the people of you who want to drop Jermaine Asako, tell me the alternative, and then we can talk about it. Because currently you're not giving me that, and there isn't one. Mate, you know how this works. Like, there isn't one. People just assume there's a better player in Q Cup. Like, yeah, we've had this heaps with different players, different positions. Like, when people are like, oh, I drop Milford, drop Ben Hunt, drop, yeah, drop everyone. Like, there's not a better solution there, and. Like, I tweeted this, and I was talking to some people. I don't know if this is just crazy. Like, I, I honestly think if you just put him at fullback, and you're like, "That's your job," he'd be fine. I think, I think you'd have less errors. I think he'd be better than what he is at the moment. And even so, I, I don't even think he's that bad. Like, he's dropped some bombs. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever. Like, I'm not really that worried by it. Like, I am yeah. more worried when it's Jermaine Asako has a non-contested bomb kicked at him. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. I knew, I knew. by the way, when, that, when we that one on the down 50? to 20, I was like, he's going to drop this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you saw it coming. Also, yeah. like, does any of the players in our team know the rules around short restarts and, like... No. <laughs> the, the best thing with that is that, is that, you know, old mate Sarko is kicking for those, like, every week and he didn't know the rules. Like, okay, Jim Hayden. Hold on. Jimmy just... knew it. Funny, Jimmy knew it. I mean, obviously, this one wasn't, like, as crucial as that Kahoo yeah. one, but still, like, guys, like, it's really, like, short kickoffs are more and more common now in the game, especially off, like, dropouts and stuff. Just, yeah. just learn the rules, guys. Yeah, that's it. And, and I like, mean, you know, yeah, go on, Matt, sorry. I, I know the rules, and I'm not getting paid all that, so, you know, you guys can learn the rules. Yeah, and that that's the thing for Osako. It's also, he has made some silly mistakes, but he's still bringing the ball back hard when he when he has the opportunity. He hasn't really been a ga- gauge in offense because Nick Rama can't feed his outside man, but he still brings the ball back hard. He's still a good goal kicker. Kicked every goal in this game, and it's like, if you drop him, I would rather have his goal kicking than, than care about the one or two areas he makes a game because the goal kicking will cost us more in the long run. It just will. Oh, we've seen games when Corey Parker was goal kicking and we lose games on a goal or two. Like- yeah. Yep. And there's, there's some young talent on outside backs for the Broncos, right? But most of the depth guys are centres. So say if, Darius, if Isako got dropped, is it you want Richie Kennar in on the wing just because Isako drops, dropped a bomb that didn't matter? Like, you're going to... So you think Richie Kennar's going to just turn into a better player? No, but Parisi had those highlights from the Reds three years ago, mate, so we'll get yeah. him on the wing. Who's also like, yeah, he's obviously a project. It's like they, when they brought a cycle into uh, up for Brisbane, it was like a two or three year thing they're working on to get him in the first grade. They're going to work on Parisi too, but yeah. It's okay. Him dropping some bombs is not the end of the world. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the preview, yeah? Oh, actually, any match thoughts that are worth it in that game? Uh, I haven't nah. looked. No, nah, there you go. That's all right. We've just given up on that. <laughs> Pretty keep much. Send, I mean, keep sending them in, though. <laughs> oh, there's some good conversation in them, usually. 
So I enjoy reading through them, but there is there there, is. there's always like I know there's not like 150 like there's been in previous weeks. That's yeah. all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Anyway, let's move on to this week's previews. So tomorrow night, so the Brisbane Broncos, bloody Thursdays below, but Brisbane Broncos take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs at 7:50 p.m. at ANZ Stadium. Uh, history between the clubs, it's pretty heavily in our favour, which is no surprise. Uh, 43 games played, we've won 41, lost 11, drawn 1, beaten them 7 times on the trot. Last loss at 2 South was Wayne's first game back at Brisbane. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, that was still Anthony Griffin's squad then, wasn't it? So It was, it was. Anyway, let's get that team list, Simo. Uh, right out, fullback, Darius Boyd. Uh, over on the left, Jack Bird and Corey Oates on the wing. On the right is James Roberts, Jermaine Asako on the wing. Uh, 5'8", Anthony Milford, and halfback is Tom Dearden. Uh, the front row of Matt Lodge, Andrew McCulloch, Payne Haas. Uh, second row, Alex Glenn, Matt Gillette, and TPJ's Locke. Interchange of Katoni Staggs, David Fafita, Thomas Flegler, Joe Offerhangawi. Reserves, Carrigan and Shibasaki. Okay, and over on the south south side, sorry. Ooh, I almost had a bit of a lisp there. But at fullback, Alex Johnston. On the left wing, Campbell Graham with Kyle Turner at left centre. On the right-hand side, Dan Gagai at right centre and Corey Allen on the wing. The halves, Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker. Uh, the front row is George Burgess and Tom Burgess. Expect George Burgess off the bench, though, and to hit a toll to start. Uh, Damian Cook at hooker. Uh, the back row, you've got John Sutton on the left and Sam Burgess on the right with Ken Murray at lock. Uh, the interchange, again, the name there, probably won't start there. Mark Nichols, Ethan Lowe, Liam Knight, and the reserves are Dean Britt and Marween Hiroti. So uh, I'm, I'm not expecting any change to the south side bar that switch. And on our side, I mean, neither. There's not going to be any change, I don't think. Sewer surprisingly not playing hooker. <laughs> Thanks, Miley. <laughs> uh, I, this south side, right, you look through one to five and you're like, that's just bang average. Like, there's yeah. nothing in there you're scared of. And then you're like, oh, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, and then that forward pack is yeah. good. Oh, whoops. You're like, yeah, whoops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this side has to be about one of, have the biggest gap in talent between their fronts and their backs, their forwards and their backs. Yeah, exactly. But Manly have that big gap currently, but Manly have like a million injuries. But you look at this one and it's like, and you know, obviously guys like Totola, Mark Nichols, Liam Knight aren't big names and Ethan Lowe's reputation has fallen, but they've also been really good off the bench too. All those guys have been good this season. So yeah, it's yeah. a huge gap between that that fullback and the halves to what the back line brings. But I guess, you know, when you lose GI and then you lose Braden Burns, who was looking pretty special in his short p- period, this is what kind of turns up for some, some NRL sides after that. Yeah, I mean, GI is obviously a big name, and then yeah. Burns is playing well. And obviously, like, if you've got if your forward pack's rolling and your halves are pretty good, and Cody Walker's doing what Cody Walker can, like, you don't really need the best backs. Like, we got by with Miranda for years, so. Yeah, exactly. And and you've got, you know, you've got uh, Wayne Bennett's new age, Nick Emmett, and Kyle Turner there as well, which is interesting, you know, in the centres, but. He's on the left side, which, you know, potentially that's a spot we can get James Roberts going and hopefully Tom Dearden can feed him, so that'll be interesting for us. And Corey Allen, I'm a fan of Corey Allen, and but you know he hasn't been very good this year because there hasn't been like a single Broncos fan saying, how do we let him go? Yeah, I, there's, <laughs> there's not been any messages about being sent back in decades. So. <laughs> there hasn't been. He just hasn't been very good on the wing and not involved. And Wayne wasn't his biggest fan at, the, at Brisbane either, but they just haven't got any other options. Like, I mean, I think he's cracked 100 metres once, and that's when he took it, that intercept. Yeah, he has cracked 100 metres once, so, 
Yeah, and that's when he took a pick. So not very good. 106 metres in that game. But as always with Wayne, though, Dan Gagai has improved this year. I know it's shocking to believe, but he was good the last two weeks. I mean, what a shock that the best coach of all time improves players in his squad. So, you know, it's, it's quite new. Yeah, exactly right. But that, that four-pack you mentioned, I, I am really interested in the test. I know it's Lodge, Pang, uh, Haas, Pangai's only second game starting together. But, like, you've walked all over a week in the Sharks pack. This is a good test the week after. I feel like if you can back that up and take on the Burgi and Ken Murray, it, it's, it should be able to show a bit of a barometer where, where our pack is currently. Yeah, it'll be interesting too because we saw how well we handled Cook last year. Um, he didn't really do anything against us, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if the players like can remember that game plan or not. Um, yeah. But I'm sure also Seabold has like some ideas on how to shut down his former side. Like the whole thing, you know, Wayne and Seabold, and they'll have ideas on like the other squad's weaknesses because they've coached it. So I'm sure that Seabold will have some ideas there too. Yeah, there was some real Harvard-level thinking in not letting the Karimba play against Wayne because when Wayne coached England, he smashed Cody. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, remember, it was like the first half was pretty even and then the second half, it was just like every second play was at Cody Nikarima. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> and that, that was happening for sure. You could just guarantee that, like, who would it be? It would be Sam Burgess would be running at him the whole time. Yeah, like they brought in... um. For England, if you remember, John Bateman would start the game in the centres then come into the forward pack, and they just started sho- shoving Bateman down Nicarima's throat. <laughs> I mean, wasn't enjoying it, but uh, but yeah, it's so that you know that's interesting to see what will happen there with with Nim because that's that's obviously the dominant south side with Nick with Cody Walker out there, so he's going to definitely get tested himself, Deedon defending on Cody. So that, that's a good challenge early because you know Walker is probably the form six in the competition right now. Yeah. Oh, he's he's so enjoyable to watch, Cody Walker. He's just like we've spoken before how there's just some players you just tune into games just to watch them and right now Cody's one of those for me. Like it's exciting. Yeah, remember when he was linked to come back to the Bron- come to the Broncos like two years ago to be our bench fourteen? And I was like, Yes, please, and nobody knew who he was. I hate you all. <laughs> the first time I remember watching him was it was grand final weekend, the Curry knockout down when I was yeah. with you guys. And he yeah. was playing for, I think, the Newcastle side. Yeah. And obviously carving up because they were a bunch of farmers like everybody else. And I remember Fafita played 77 minutes for three runs. In he the played, he played, it, played in the centres, though, right? Remember he was standing out like, oh, in the yeah. centres? He was at a front row jersey on, but he stood out, just stood out wide. Um, he did a kick. He took a kick. Yeah. and he, yeah. Three runs. And then he said it was the hardest game he's ever played, even harder than State of Origin. So, you know. Yeah, because yeah, you weren't in your position, champ. <laughs> you kept running out <laughs> But I remember the first game I saw Walker play, it was like, a, not first game, the biggest, my biggest memory of him before he really broke out was like all the way back in Queensland Cup and he, like, not even that young, he was like 25 and he was coming through for the Storm and he missed out on the Storm debuting because he had that false domestic violence charge against him. He also did his hammy another time he was supposed to debut. But he had this game, I can't remember how many he did, but he, he, I think he said like six or seven tries in a game. And, but it was just one of those games you watched it. And it's just like, this man does not belong against these other people. This is ridiculous. It looks like when you watch like young G.I. kill Q-Cup, it was, every time he got the ball, the other team was like, please don't. <laughs> like, please yeah, he's please just stop. on a different, just a different level. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost like the league got lucky that he did his hammy before he debuted for the Storm. Because put him in the Storm side now over Brody Croft, and my lord, are we talking about something? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, probably most people would actually be talking about him. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. And then, you know, obviously they've got Adam Reynolds, who's actually improved almost around the ball now with, with Wayne there too, which is interesting. Almost added something to his game. It's a real shock again. But, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm scared, though. I'm, really, like, I'm confident in this game because we just seem to have something over this South team. I know it could be attached to Wayne's coaching or whatever, whatever. My biggest fear in this entire game, though, is Reynolds kicking to Boyd. And you know he's so good kicking around the post. They're going to score like three tries kicking at the post, right? Yeah, like I keep flip-flopping on what I think is going to happen because, like, on one hand, I think the Bunnies are a better side than us at the moment and they probably should win and Wayne Bennett's their coach. But on the other hand, we keep beating the Bunnies. Wayne Bennett has a terrible record against his former clubs and we've got Corey O's. I think yeah. the thing I just don't want to happen the most is for Corey Oates to have an average game. Like, I just love that he, like, <laughs> carves up this team. Like, it's just, like, one of my favourite things in rugby league. Yeah, I like it. I think it might be me, too. That's where I'm sitting. It's like, even if we lose, as long as Oates scores a double, yeah. <laughs> I can live with it. You're right. His record here against South is ridiculous. Like, and it, you're right. It's, it's a real centrepiece of the action. And fuck, what's our name with our friend? Who we forgot? We've forgotten the guy. Oh, I was like Sven or something. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember. Someone, will, someone who listens will add us after this. They'll let us know. But just imagine like what his reaction will be if Corey Oates had a bad game. Yeah. Like, hang on, no, no, wait. This this doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So if you want, if you've forgotten the running tally now, he has not eleven tries in nine games against South, but on the wing there. So the first two games off the bench and they didn't score on them. On the wing there's 11 tries in seven games against South. It's ridiculous. In- including some of the most ridiculous tries ever. Like yeah. the pretzel try. He had that yeah. one where he dragged Dylan Walker 30 metres. That one when he oh. went through them and then he put the, somehow put the ball down and Vossi had an orgasm. You know? <laughs> like how yeah. Had, oh, the ball's yeah, barely in his hand. There's been some great tries there. It has been. They're like the only team in the competition the Dari Sports Week players still worked against last year, so I'm hoping somehow this year, with Grandpa Boyd, they still fall for it. <laughs> somehow. I mean, it's a lot slower than it was last year. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it'll happen. Maybe. I guess he's, well, he's got Corey Allen and Gagai to run out. I'm certain he could run through one of them. Just get in the ball. I feel like that should be the game. Should, the Seabolt should be the look tomorrow, boys. No matter what happens, you've got to get Corey a try. <laughs> you've just got to keep it going. <laughs> if you make a line break and you're through one and there's no one else around you, you've got to give it to Corey still. You've got to keep it going. I mean, gay guy over there and that, like, surely even run Jack Bird through, like, the short ball to Jack Bird. Something like, surely with his tries down that side. There is. There has to be. So I'm just hoping we, you're right. I hope we can keep that going. But I am I'm, I'm confident in this game because of the way we play against them because also halves on debut not always but generally when there's no tape on them they can generally perform pretty well until teams figure them out it's about adapting after that like, you know we've seen remember Luke Brooks's debut was at the greatest halfback ever for example or Nathan Cleary had a great one Dylan Brown at the 6 in round 1 this year for example too. Corey Norman Corey Norman yeah there's plenty of times a half will come to the comp and they, no one's ever seen him play so they just do things that people aren't expecting so that's potentially as well, you know, that could be part of it. So I'm confident with the pack and that. But my biggest fears are obviously Cody Walker's exceptional form and Adam Reynolds kicking anywhere near Boyd, like just anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a worry. It is a worry. It, it also it's so weird, by the way, that like we should not be anywhere, even near the top eight with two wins after seven games. We yeah, that's what, like we were talking last week about you know like seventeen games minus the storm one, and we need twelve wins and all. We, we, you know, we went through all the numbers of what it's normally like every season, and then we yeah. win a game and we're a game out of the eight. Like, yeah, 
he's like, man, I, it's just a crazy season. It is. I mean, we, we we can't make the eight this week with a win. We can't get in there. But again, you win, and then it's legitimately it's like, what win the next week probably in the eight, which is which is mainly at Suncorp, which who aren't easy beats. But for once, we didn't get that. We've had a lot of things we've said in the past. We've had teams have players come back against us. This time we play mainly. There is no chance Cherry Evans is playing. That's one good thing. Potentially Tom Petrovic is out. So. Already, that's some good signs for that game. So maybe the season is slowly turning, and I might call that Nicarima Karma potentially, Cody Karma. Maybe if you learned earlier, Seabold, this would have happened. <laughs> Clearly, they didn't cover sacking Cody Nicarima at Harvard. Uh, exactly right. And there's um, there's about ten million rumours going around who's leaving, who's not. And isn't it funny, by the way? The rumours of the last like eight weeks have been about Roberts is going, Lodge is going, uh, Pangai's following Wayne, Oates is following Wayne. And the player who actually left is someone nobody spoke about. Yeah, I mean, who would know that these journalists are just making up stuff? Yeah, literally. Stop listening to people. Stop sending me molly tweets. You know who you are. <laughs> like, if you want to send it to me and laugh, laugh at them with me, that's fine. But, like, the, the one he put out about Jaden Sewer playing hooker was from a dude on Twitter who has 33 followers who had already said this, but he'd already called Stags hooker. He called Nick Rehm Hooker 2020, and he called Sewer Hooker, and then he sent it to Molly, and Molly published it. <laughs> He's got like 31 followers. <laughs> yes, and, the, and he does. And the worst thing about Molly, I said this to you before we recorded, the worst thing about Molly Room is for some reason they still get steam. I don't know why, but it's like, you know, he just, same guy said Jesse Ramy into the Broncos and Caesar to the Broncos. And this week, Jesse Ramy's had to deny he wants to leave the Knights <laughs> from this trash. We've had Roberts who has to talk about about not leaving the Broncos. He might, you know, that one's got a bit more steam, but that started at Molly. Like, he just, the guy just takes a million shots. Stop sending his crap, his crap and thinking it's serious. Like, anyone with half a brain would have known Jaden Sewer wasn't playing hooker this week and would have known, by the way, that if he was training there... Chris Gay would have tweeted it. Yes. Well, we've been through this before. There's, been, like, there's like 15 journos who watch Broncos training who always tell you what's happening in the captain's run and none of them said it. I mean, we probably shouldn't have talked about the fact that you can just message Molly and get your rumours published because that's, that's what everyone's doing this week now. Just do it. Why not? Why not, mate? We'll see what he gets out there. He might be more discerning now, but who, who knows? <laughs> we need, like, three people to all send him the same thing, like, like a really similar thing. So he's like, oh, this one has to be true. Like, multiple mate. people send me. Yeah, Mal is snowballing on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anything else you want to say about this game before, before we, uh, we move on? Uh, nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah we're not going to cover all the Wayne B. Seabold stuff, by the way, guys. We've done that a lot in the past. And everyone and else is covering it, too. So. Everyone else is covering it. You've all, you've all heard it. You're all probably sick of it, to be honest, because I am. Okay, yeah. we've got some uh, some questions there, don't we, mate? Yeah, i got one here. Just first, I actually remember this, which is nice. Uh, somebody uh, sent in a message on Monday. is Just on Twitter first, so I don't forget about it later. DW Kingston. Um, he actually said this before Cody went, but he said, it looks like Seabold's structures are going to take some time. Are you concerned about Brisbane bailing too early on Cody and Roberts, which could destroy the team synergies created since 2016? Um, look, uh, those synergies, <laughs> I don't know if that's a little overrated. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, especially if the side that side of the field is not going great anyway. So, Exactly. You know, uh, in terms of Roberts... That one again. That I don't know if that's true or not, but that one would that one would genuinely hurt me because it's just not. There's you know there's two or three players 
who are of his caliber in terms of legitimately game breaking in terms of a loose ball on his high half of the field as a try general you know that kind of game breaking there's two or three guys like that and he's the best of those and I don't care what you say about contract value or you say about stags being willing to replace him that kind of stuff guys like James Roberts are why I watch rugby league and there's no way if you can paint it if he left the club that it wouldn't upset me that's that simple I don't know about you especially when he's as cheap as he is Exactly, he's on like four fifty to five hundred k, and people people don't seem to understand the cap, and people think that's a lot of money. But you got to again compartmentalize and realize that Dane Gagai is worth eight to nine hundred. Apparently, he gets paid. It's like that's he's, a really he's good a value lot better deal. than Gagai. He is. It's a really good value deal for James Roberts, and even when he's hobbled, he can still he can still like jog eighty for a try. <laughs> We've seen it. We've seen him outrun at O'Carr when he's got a like a hammy injury or something. Like and, you know, yeah. he's quick. And you know what's really funny about the, the Broncos fan base is that the once they start hearing these rumours, they already start talking players down, some of them. <laughs> yeah, like, it's people, frustrating. Now tell me, like, okay, Roberts indeed was injured in round one this year. He went off early. And then he, he indeed also had his other injury. But you, what's, you think he's been bad this year? Have you not watched the other games he played? You know, he was good against... He scored He scored a double against the Cowboys, good against the Dragons, decent against the Sharks, got involved in all those games, had 15 runs, 140 metres again previously in this last game. Like, all these random knocks on him aren't proven by anything other than he's... Yes, he is hobbled, but whatever. He's still good. Yeah. That's it, no. whatever. Hey, okay. Hey, we'll always, on. Too much talk about the rumour, right? I'll always be a fan of him. Oh, so will I. Um, right over on Facebook from Andrew, he said, "Enter generic Boyd and C- Macca and Seabold Rand." <laughs> yeah, they're still our problems. Yeah. Uh, from Blake, if Boyd plays to the end of twenty twenty one, do you see him still playing in the number one the whole time? There is no way he is our fullback through the end of twenty twenty one. There just isn't. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, from... Yeah, I don't think he makes the end of that contract either. By the way, I don't think. You, do you think so? It's a long way. I can't see it happening. Yeah, and it's like, I also, like, uh, there was obviously, I forgot, I kind of forgot about this. We knew in preseason he was playing his 300th game against Wayne this week. I now understand why they were playing him hobbled, though. You know, those two weeks he had the knee problem? Yeah, because they wanted this game. Well, he wanted it. And again, I, honestly, you know, Boyd's been bad this year, but I, I would give that to him as well if I could. Uh, from Cruzy on... Facebook, which is different. He said, I'm hoping Din doesn't do an Ash Taylor on his debut. Oh, what, get, like, what did he have again? Didn't he like, uh, put his broke, finger, th- like his hand through skin? What happened again? He had a broken hand, or broken, yeah, broken yeah. hand. I forget exactly how he did it. Yeah, and it was like the, the bloody bone went through the skin, didn't it? I can't remember. Uh, Cameron asked if Aya Stark is the next Anthony Milford. I don't really get that, but whatever. I'm reading all of these out, so... Uh, Jacob... slow burner. She, she, didn't, she didn't bloom early. <laughs> uh, Jacob said, thoughts on Din debut. I mean, we talked about that. Uh, Jamie is... He asks, is losing Nick Rima going to set us back three decades? Um, Not three. <laughs> if losing Brody Cross sent us back a decade, or not signing him, sorry, Nick Rima is probably at least a decade and a half. Yeah, well, he's better than Croft is, which is odd but true. Uh, from Thomas, how many tries for Corey tomorrow night? Although on a serious on a serious note, Thursday night games are terrible. Yeah, well, I'll be out there. It'll be me, 
about the 17 South fans who now want to go to the game with me now, which is what a shock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like man. four other people. You really need need the Broncos to come through now. Well, oh, I want something really controversial like an Anthony Milford knock-on before a field goal. Well, that like, was great. Yeah. But we that need bl- that again. No, I prefer meaning- I like meaningless Milford field goals because it sets the world alight. Oh, doesn't everyone just get mad about a Milford field goal in like up 20 points? Yeah, as I said, mate, it takes it takes a real man to have the balls to kick them when they don't matter. Everyone can kick him when it's 20 all. <laughs> You're supposed well, to do it then. <laughs> that's like... um. A different player, but when Mitch Moses kicked that one up by like fifty points, yeah, and everyone's talking about disrespect, and it's like, and it just reminds me obviously the Milford one up fifty three nil overnight, and it's like, yeah. what Cam Newton said when he used to dance after scoring a touchdown, it's like you don't want me to dance, don't let me score a touchdown, like exactly. That's oh yeah, I always, I mean people probably have gathered by like my sports stories and stuff. I'm all about like disrespectful unsportsmanlike <laughs> plays that are like borderline inside the rules. Like I won't. Break the rules, but I'm yeah. I'm like up to pushing the rules as far as I can. The weird frowned upon traditions, like yeah, man yeah. yeah, like cards, you know, yeah, like yeah. taking quick tap and scoring a touch football try after they scored, and they're all still celebrating. You know, I'm yeah. all about that. Yeah, exactly. I'm all about the meaningless field, and it was felt good to be in a situation where we could kick a million meaningless field goal again. That's for damn yeah. sure. Uh, from Paul, he said, with big power forwards against the mighty knock on Burgess Bros, should a, should be a good game. Hope Mr Oates can keep his scoring record. Feel for the new lad, however, it re- is a really great position to do, uh, do good or is swell. Yeah. He is in a really great position to do well. Yeah. He is. He's come back in. He's come in after the pack's fully fit and everything. He's, he's, he's set up to succeed. He really is. Yeah. Um, he continues then. You know, do bad and well. There's more to learn. The training paddock. Hopefully he can kick us around the park and assist Milford. The Mighty Broncos gallop on from here. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, from Cameron, he said... This is a different one, but biggest frustrations while driving. Frustrations while driving. Yeah. See, I'm not. A, I'm not honest. I don't get angry driving. Do you, Simo? Oh man, yeah. I get proper mad when I'm driving. Oh, you like, want, oh mate, you drive a Ute, don't you? That you have to get mad when you're driving. <laughs> I have a work car, which is a Ute, and yeah, also my highlights. Like I'm always in a Ute, but man, there is some absolute terries around Rocky. Like they just. <sighs> Yeah, I get mad when I get behind the wheel. And, like, I, I just people cut you off and all sorts, and you just give them the finger. And i got to be careful in the work car because it's got, like, big logo, business name on the side. Like I've got <laughs> to drive careful. Oh, like, I do always drive fairly safely in that, but just if people cut me off, I don't give them the finger if I'm in the work car. So The people who really generally kill me, I get cut <laughs> off and stuff. I used to get angry when I was younger, and I realized it wasn't really worth it when driving. The people who kill me are the people who do, like, 20... 20- Kilometers below the speed limit in a one-lane street. Oh yeah, yeah. Or like there's 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 some there's a few known speed cameras in my area, and there's one of them. It's on Eastern Arterial Road. People would know if they live in Sydney potentially or been up North Shore. And it's like down the bottom of this hill, and it's been there for like twenty years. And the speed limit there is sixty, right? As we all know, as you know, a lot of speed camera areas are. And it is the one speed camera in all of the country I've been to potentially that almost everyone does like thirty going to it. I don't know why. <laughs> And that one makes me mad because you can go through it and it can be like it wouldn't. You're going through. You could be driving on the road and there'd be no traffic. You couldn't see a car for two, two kilometers, and you pull up to there and there's still people there. <laughs> just like where are you? Where are you? What are you all doing? It's, you just have to go 59. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, I know. Like the same around town. There's always the same spots the cops put up there. You know, speed cameras and that. You just. But yeah, I think cutting me off is like you know if people just start murdering. And oh, what really annoys me is. 
like you have that light, the flashy lights on your car. They're called indicators. Like people should yeah. use them to indicate where they're going. I hate when people like merge and put their indicator on at the same time. Like, yeah. like I'll sometimes be driving along a lane and I can't get across yet, but I'll put my indicator on because I'm indicating that I want to merge across. Like, oh, is that what it means? <laughs> oh, mate, but no. Can, can you explain the word indicate? <laughs> And so, just, yeah, when people start, like, flying across in front of you and then put their indicator on at the same time, it's like, mate, I just want to, like, r- drive over your little bubble car. Like, Yeah, yeah. And also, people who don't wave when I let them in. I'm, very, I'm a very generous person on the road in that regard. So I'll let anybody in in front of me because I know, I know I'm not going to get to my place fast or not if I don't let them in. But the, the, the wave is getting very rare, I feel. That's, oh, the millennials oh. are killing the wave. Mate, yeah, see, I'll wave. But, like, Rocky... I find, like, I've driven in Brisbane, and Brisbane's so much better to drive because it's, like, you know, people don't want to miss their exit and all this sort of stuff. Everyone's happy to let everybody in. Like, mm. whereas in Rocky, you put your indicator in to, like, change lanes, and the people behind you will speed up to take oh, that space. They're like, no, yeah, nah, we're not letting you in. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, Brisbane's great for driving. I love driving around Brisbane, but yeah, Ro- Rockhampton drivers are just bad. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's the wave, but I, I do the wave no matter what myself. Even if they didn't let me in, I just wave anyway. And occasionally, sometimes you'll cut someone off without realizing. You know, you've done that before, right? You're like, fuck, I cut yeah. them off. Then you wave, you're like, well, you can't be mad now, can you? <laughs> 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 uh, um, righto, there's one last there, one from Game of Thrones Weekly. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, sweet. Uh, from All Sport Matters. Uh, what made Alex Glenn cry longer, Cody leaving or Jorah's death? <sighs> no, if you cry for Jorah's death, he's not a real man. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, also, if you cry for Cody leaving, same. So you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big issue of mine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Underscore S Triple Eight. How closely related are you to the Broncos? Does your grandma's cousin know it all? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm actually I'm related. I'm cousins of like seven of the players somehow. <laughs> uh, also from uh, Young Mitch, he said, "Please discuss in detail how we are preparing Stags to be the new Broncos nine over Macca and Turpin." Uh, the same guy, the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared underscore underscore S. How does it feel to host the first post Nicarima era podcast? It feels good. It it, it almost felt like there was a, it needed its own podcast when it happened. But you know, just it was both busy. Simo's a, a Tuesday night is an issue, is an issue for Simo these days. So you know, what, what can you do? I mean, I also thought just like tossed up the thought of recording post the win, and then I was like, nah. I'd it wasn't. No, no, I felt like it. Then I was like, you know what? If we kept saying we would do it post good wins, it didn't deserve it. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, at this point, would take any win. So that's why I thought about it. But I was like, oh, we need like. I'd do it again after the Cowboys win. Like that's the kind of one I do. Big yeah. like ones you really want to rub it into the other team. Exactly. Uh, James K underscore thirteen twelve with SOS named in the squad as well. Are we likely to see a last minute switcheroo? Do you think we're all systems go for dead in season? Well, obviously now we know the nineteen that Sean O'Sullivan's not not in yeah, it, but true. there was no chance they were going to switcheroo off the rookie. You know that move. Yeah, that move I, generally happens onto the rookie. <laughs> yeah, I would have tossed it up, like entertained that if yeah the other way around. Um, yeah, exactly. Or like you know name Cody and then Dean was in the twenty one and you're like maybe that'll sure. happen. Uh, from Mike Jackavow7, uh, thoughts on Dearden, and shall we take this as rule... Uh, I can read. Um, shall we take this as a rule out of seeing Sean O'Sullivan this year? 
Uh, I've done, we've done our thoughts on Dearden, so I won't cover that again. But I wouldn't rule out seeing Sean O'Sullivan at some point, just because you know it's a, it's a long way for an eighteen-year-old to go and play all those games, and that you know, Origin periods coming, fatigue's coming for other guys too. I wouldn't be surprised if even at some game he ends up being in the fourteen for a few weeks. We'll see. Uh, DT Owens also asked about Dearden. Um, but Billy Ace 99 are we sure we want someone who supported the Cowboys through 2015 as our halfback well yeah why not I mean it's good it's good to steal one of theirs because it seems they give away every young talented player of the last five years so it's great to have one I mean I, 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 they, you can put a, get together a pretty good 17 of theirs and I won't do a full 17 but let me go off the top of my head the players that they could have in their team so you can have Jerome Hughes at fullback which is you know that's not too bad uh, Jerome Hughes at fullback they could have uh, Billy Kikau on the left edge. They could have uh, Reese Martin on the right edge. They could have Felice Kafusi on the right edge, even. Um, Ponga at, at, at six with Jerome Hughes as fullback, potentially. Uh, Sigiaro could be their hooker. Brandon Smith could be their hooker. Curtis Rona could be on the wing. Uh, James Tarmel could still be there. Like, There's a lot of talent they let go. It's the, great. The thing I, I love, love, love this... to have another one. The thing I love about the Cowboys is, like, you've got that list, but it's not just they've, like, every player that's left has become a great player. It's the players they've kept in place of those players have also become bad players. Like, they kept Cohen Hess. Like, he was their choice to keep, and it's, like, what he is now. Like, you know, you know, it's just, it's gone both ways. The players they've kept have become bad. The players they've let go have become great, and I love every minute of it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the thing is that like they kept Lachlan Coote over Ponga, right? And then great choice. How that went? Yeah, for, obviously great one. And Jerome Hughes, by the way, Titans also let Jerome Hughes go. Two moron clubs that both could use him in many positions. And the other small ones again, like that, you know, they could have Reese Martin, who's pretty useful for them right now. Even like you look at their backline this week. And they had guys like... They had Tao Tamoga before us. He'd walk in right now. Curtis Ryan would walk in right now. Jordan Pereira for the Dragons. Whilst he's not a world world beater, he was up there just last year. He'd walk in there. (laughs) But they're all gone for Tom Opacek, mate. (laughs) I just love the poetry of, like, the club that's rubbed it in the Bulldogs' nose for 12 years about letting go of JT. And, you know, they got JT. And they kept this old player in in place of him. And now they got JT'd. Like yeah. with, with Ponga and Coot. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and bloody, and fucking, they kept, um, like, Jake Granville, they let Brandon Smith go, it's like, well done, well done. <laughs> oh, mate, Jake Granville, that one year has just kept him in that side forever. It has, it really has. Um, righto, from Corey Goats, how good is Dearden at midfield bombs? Well, it's not going to take any, mate, because Milford's great at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Osport Matters, most likely to be the next Scott Prince, Pakes, Boyd, or SOS? Is that a legitimate question or a smart-ass question? <laughs> I, no, I don't know. And, and also, are we thinking, are you talking about his entire career or are we talking about what's going to happen to him, his Broncos career? Because I wouldn't wish that Broncos career on anybody considering what happened to Prince with the injuries and then he went yeah, on I mean, to kill it elsewhere. He had that kick charge down that like snapped his shin in like three places or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of their own story, I mean, he's... So Prince is from North Queensland... Tom Dearden's Dearden's for North Queensland. Prince did play for the Cowboys before us, so that that's or that's my easy lazy comparison. Um, Prince I, is indigenous, though. None of those boys are indigenous. I mean, Butsy's probably hoping that he he's the next Scott Prince because he'll get a premiership at some point in the future. Then with yeah. his Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, from Bone Cone. Uh, 
when should they get to work in on the Din statue outside Lang Park? Oh, mate, you can just change the outfit you want. <laughs> <laughs> put hair on it. Just put a wig. Yeah. Uh, 101BM, what else are you wishing for? I don't know if this means just like life in general. Or Wait, so goes, what was or the question again? What are you wishing for? Or what wish. else? Like, obviously, because Cody's gone. So what oh, else what are you else? wishing for? Oh, if, I get to, if I get to really wish... It's like I would obviously Darius Boyd gone from fullback, and I don't even like. I'm not even wishing the Sarko goes there. You know, just if you if I can wish up something, Darius Boyd goes. My boy Chance comes in at <laughs> fullback, get in there, and then Hooker, or we, you know, McCulloch goes, and we get one of many a Hooker. Yeah, just like any like league average Hooker will do. Yeah, I mean. Cameron Smith, for example, there's a league average hooker. Yeah, for a year or two. Uh, how much shorter can Tommy be after Sam Burgess is done running over him? <laughs> Tommy Dearden. Yeah. Well, Sammy's running at Milford, mate, so no worries. So unless Milford somehow switches from the left edge, unless they do that, because Dearden did play left edge in Q Cup, but unless Milford's will be, Milford will be dealing with Sammy Burgess. And honestly, I think Sam, they've tried to run at Milford before in the past. And we've all seen Sam Burgess play. He gets sometimes when he think, thinks he's got a, a real good matchup going or similar, he drops the ball like fifteen times. <laughs> you know, like he thinks oh, I'm going to flatten this guy, overplays his hand and makes mistakes. I'm not that scared of Sam yet, Milford. Nah. Uh, from RCG Kennedy, uh, will we see Boyd replace the fullback this season through selection, not injury? And who would be there, Bird or Asako? I think that's one of those ones again. If his form goes back to what it was, it, it would just—it's just a matter of time. It just really is. He can't play as bad as he was for like most of the season for the whole year to stay in that position. So, and I, I do think—I actually I don't know the answer. I think it would be Asako would go back there, but I wouldn't be shocked either by Bird going back there. Just swipe swaps positions, like you know, Boyd goes to center or Boyd goes to wing. Uh, from Nathan Chip 22 apparently Roberts wants out as quick as he is I'm happy if he wants to go back and play for Wayne that's fair enough but disappointed to see another player go oh yeah look if, if he wants to play for Wayne I'm not going to begrudge him doing that we, we knew that a lot of players who came to Brisbane came for Wayne and Jack Bird said it this week the most obvious thing ever that some of the boys wanted to play for Wayne they liked Wayne there's actually there is one good story if you want to read it and, you know, you may not like Matt Lodge or what he's done in the past, but if there's a story Matt Lodge had some really good quotes about Wayne and, and summarises it pretty effectively in a few sentences why Wayne means something to the players. But, yeah, if Roberts wants to go to play for Wayne, I'd begrudge him, but I'd be do- fighting tooth and nail. Don't begrudge him, sorry. I'd be fighting tooth and nail to not let him go. Yeah. Um, the rest of these that aren't Game of Thrones related are just, like, bad jokes about Sewer playing hooker, so I'm just yeah, going to we'll skip those. On. That's enough, that's enough. Rightio. Game um, of Thrones well, Weekly? Yeah, I've got a few questions. We might as well just get to these straight away. Okay. But they're Game of Thrones related. So, obviously, after this, it's going to be spoilers. I think people know what the go is. And no more yeah. football talk after this. So, for the people that hate this, you know, this is your fault so, if you listen It now. is, it is your fault. <laughs> We're getting we're getting far more positive Game of Thrones weekly feedback now than we got previous years. We've got a lot more negative in previous years. Not being many complaints. People might have finally learned to switch off. Yeah, I mean, people people love our Game of Thrones talk, so... They do. Uh, from Hadax PSN, he said, uh, Great prediction of Arya's act from you two last week. Is there any saving this season? Last season felt... Like, uh, last season, and this feels like a Hollywood movie, really corny and Dream Team-like. Missed the grungy earlier seasons. Can this Mate. be salvaged? 
I think Huddy, by the way, might be my soulmate. But he's putting it out there. He's popped up as listening to Boom Rookies last year, listening to this now, and he asked me lots of really good questions on Boom Rookies, a lot about like positional things like that, and, and real analytical questions. And he's just bloody hammered my thoughts on Game of Thrones. That when he said it was Hollywood, that's exactly what I thought this episode was. And it has gone that way, in my opinion, since George Art, they've gone past the source material. And I'm not saying it's not a great show anymore, but if it was just if you just judge the series on its last three series as opposed to the full eight, it is just a good show. In yeah. my opinion. Uh, well, I, like I've got a couple of things I'll say, but after we get through a few of these questions. On the, the bit with Aya, like we talked about it and I thought it was like pretty obvious. Like obviously someone had to do it. Like this fight right, if the Army of the Dead win, it just means there has to be an even bigger fight. I think somebody said they spent 50 nights filming this battle. Yes. Um, millions on millions on millions. Yeah, so knowing that, there's not going to be a bigger battle. So this is obviously the battle. Obviously it had to end. Somebody had to do it, and it's going to be one of the main characters. I is a good option. But someone said Bran, well, the three-eyed raven, who can obviously, he knows everything, sees everything, gave her the dagger, like last season or the season before and it's like oh how convinced like obviously it was going to be her like looking back yeah. it's even more obvious um can it be salvaged probably not yeah and I mean Arya by the way is like peeps, some people said oh why her and it, the way she killed him will get to that really dumb but she's been training to do something like this for like six seasons <laughs> they've been training her to kill something for six seasons so that wasn't that much of a shock in that regard yeah um from H-D-Y-U-F-F-U-H-V-U <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce that. Jaden. He said, what season of the big Game of Thrones would you recommend to newcomers? Well, you have to go from the start, mate. Yeah, I just just one, yeah. It's, yeah, number one's the best. One, two, and three are some of the best storytelling in terms of on a, on a, of a TV show you'll, you'll ever see because it's so out of the realm of expectation and what, how they go with things. So yeah. I, I would go watch the first from the first season. You can't, it's not a show you can jump, you honestly, you can't jump into it. Uh, and then over on Facebook, uh, the question from David earlier, he said, Game of Thrones Weekly, worst episode so far. I had to turn off all the lights to see anything. Stupid tactics, bad use of dragons. After all the unnecessary slaughter, I sacrifice a girl with a pig sticker, kills the Night King, and game over. What a lame ending. I was hoping Bran would mind F him or something, but no. You know, we, we've garnered a very smart fan base, Sim. I don't know how we did that, but that's another great, great comment, and I agree with all of your points. I'm not against Arya killing him, but how it happened was ridiculous, how she's like, can just like jump in the, run and jump in the air through all the White Walkers and then stab him. It's like, oh, none of them saw this girl running and jumping. <laughs> um, so, similar to how I had a preface for, like, preface for the Broncos game, I've got one for this, and like... In our group chat, I didn't say anything because you got everyone in the group chat was just hating on this episode, and I was I didn't mind it, so I just like stayed out of it all, and I was like, yeah, we'll talk about this on Game of Thrones Weekly. But I just like I think people have built this show up to be something they think it's something that it's not anymore. Like it's yes, just, I agree. It's just like it's dragons and it's some boobs and it's like an average TV show at the moment. Like and that, like, what were you expecting knowing it was going to be ninety minutes of battle? And we've talked about how, like, the last meaningful person to die was, like, probably Joffrey at his wedding. So, what, are you really surprised that none of the main characters died? No, of course none of the main characters were going to die. That's what Game of Thrones is now, like, to me anyway. Like, I, I agree on you completely with that. It didn't fail to meet my expectations. I didn't expect anything from it, but it still wasn't good. Yeah, and obviously, as he says, like, bad tactics, bad dragon use, like, all of that is, like, 
there's so much stuff was frustrating. Yeah. Like, it's... how about, like, they send all the Dothraki out, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, stop fire, stop the catapults. And then, like, when the three of them come running back and you know there's hordes out there, what, you don't want to start using your catapults again? Like, yeah, it was straight. That was straight out of a terrible, like, a Hollywood movie. You would have seen that. If that's the problem with this this battle. It just felt exactly like any movie, fantasy movie you could have watched. That's what was like. That's why I have an issue with it, is because I know, as you said, that is the show it's become now, but it still disappoints me that that's what it's become. Yeah, you actually, you want to hear something funny. So when yeah. we were talking about the betting odds on stuff a couple of weeks back, right? Yeah. Um, the next day, I, I found a link or two, put it in a, a different uh, PlayStation DM on Facebook that I'm in. And so we we're talking about some of the betting odds. And one of the blokes, he's got some money in like a sports bet account or something. So he put on for Theon to end up a White Walker. Um, and so we, like, obviously, he told us before this episode, so we're all watching out for this. And then like Theon gets put in like the god's wood and you're like it's gonna happen and then like literally everybody in Winterfell becomes a white walker except for Theon Greyjoy is it a promo for that become a white walker get your money back or something <laughs> if everyone oh, else becomes one <laughs> <laughs> it just oh it cracked me up we were just laughing but yeah, yeah. tough luck there it is, oh, but my bigger <laughs> issue with it as well is that even so, they had this epic battle scene, and it is it is just something Game of Thrones has struggled with through its whole series. Even when it was a great show, but the lighting in this show was it, it was embarrassing. Like, and it's not just me; everyone has had that feeling. I first because what I do with Game of Thrones currently is I obviously do boom boom rookies on a Monday night, right? But I have a service set up at home that downloads everything for me, so. On Mondays, I will watch Game of Thrones before I go to record boom rookies at work. I watch it on my laptop. But this, it was really dark on my laptop. So, like, I cranked my laptop brightness up and my and the contrast up. I'm like, geez, what's going on? I still can't see it. So then I moved and plugged it into a TV. Same thing. And then I was like, the the best review I got of watching it was on a tablet because they find they, the screens get brighter and still there was like the the dragons fight and all that kind of stuff. It's like I'm sure something sick's happening right now, but I really can't tell. <laughs> yeah, like there was a there was some really nice like shots like if you like would pause it and could get like a screen grab like there was some great cinematic shots in this but yeah there was a lot of just black i was watching it on because that similar service that i am on didn't work for me so i downloaded like some 720 uh one off somewhere yeah um and yeah it was just it was bad on my tv and like my tv's like 75 inches or something like normally you can see everything pretty easily and it was just bad well, that's it. I tried. I looked at it because I, I watch most of the episodes now. And I looked because again, I'm watching it at work. I'm not really watching it as well when I'm before I go to Boom Rookies. But uh, I watched it again and I downloaded a different file, and it was it was even worse on my TV at home. And that was everything else was black. It's just like this is impossible. And like you said, there's some really nice shots in there. There is some good bits, and some of the stuff is sick. Like when Miller Sandra lights stuff up, I was like, hey, I can see something. This is great, but. Man, it's just it was just too dark, and it's like there was honestly like five minute periods of those dragon fights and stuff. I'm like, I have no clue what is happening right now. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, I, the Night King, I think, is such a cool character. Like for how powerful he was too. Some of this, yeah. like you see where John was going to swoop in with his dragon, and then he just like brings this whole blizzard in like out of nowhere, and he's like, man, he's strong. And then he goes out like he did, um, but. Yeah. Uh, oh, you can see also too where he's like all his zombies have like stopped that ring of fire, and then he's like, oh, "I'll just like sacrifice ten of these. Like we'll make a bridge of zombies." But yeah, 
Yeah, it's kind of odd that like he's not in the, he's not a thing anymore because he's obviously been like the main the main villain. enemy. Yeah. He has been. Well, I saw I saw a, uh, an idea that it was he the whole time all he's wanted was to kill the three-eyed raven as if like the three-eyed raven is the main villain. Yeah. Um because and it's like, you know, he's always north of the wall and he only came south as soon as like Brand did the three-eyed raven. And yeah, then he, like, came to, like, you know, wipe out the Three-Eyed Raven. Well, he got created to kill humanity, right, wasn't it? Like, well, not that. He he was supposed to limit humanity, and he went too far. That was the whole thing where the children of the forest, wasn't it? Like, stop the humans up there. I can't yeah. remember exactly. But, yeah, um, it's, it is weird seeing him gone. But the one thing people do now, as you mentioned, the show isn't a great show. It's a good show now. People need to stop over-reading what happens, because they don't do that anymore. People, for example, like, oh, maybe he didn't burn in Dragonfly because he's a Targaryen. No, it's well, not the type of show anymore. <laughs> I was looking... That's not even a thing for Targaryens. Not, I've always not, thought it Danny. was. Yeah, it was like, only Danny. Yeah. And because I, even in season two or three, I think, when John's on the wall and he, like, a lantern breaks on his hand and, like, he burns himself. Like, Targaryens aren't actually immune to fire. That thing with the dragon fire really annoyed me because I don't know if it's just my impression of this or if I've read it somewhere, or, but it's always seemed to me like you've had like normal steel, like normal fire, like all this is kind of on one level of like lethality, but like dragon fire was a next level up from that and it could kill a lot more things. Valerian steel was like dragon fire in a blade. Yeah. Like all this, like how the Valerian steel dagger killed her, killed the Night King. I think the dragon fire should have killed him. Like, I agree. and then I think if they didn't want that to happen, it shouldn't have been in the show. Like, do something else. He's obviously shown like he's able to stop stuff happening, stop the dragons getting close, whatever. Like, yeah. I just don't think it should have been in the show because I, I, I thought like I'd surprise this is how they're killing him. And at I hated the time, and I hated the smirk. Yeah, he's never smiled at anything ever, and he, and again, because he can see the future. He knew the dragon was going to happen and he knew it was going to burn. That's why he, he's, he's not going to have a wry smile after it. <laughs> like, he's not the first thing he's lived through if that happens or whatever. And then, yeah, just people overread a lot of these things and think, oh, this is coming, that's coming. It's not coming anymore, guys. Remember, like, Arya and the Waif, all that weird stuff? Things aren't coming. They don't sort of show like that anymore. Um, apparently, I I haven't gone back to rewatch this because yeah. slack. But in the scene where John's dodging the dragon in that courtyard area. Yeah, yeah. Apparently there's a scene where he yells out to get its attention. And as it's like... <coughs> sorry. As it's looking at him, you can see Arya run around like the back of the dragon like as she's running to where the Night King is. And apparently oh, really? that's like a hint at what's happening or whatever. Yeah, and also I didn't like, by the way, again, why this felt really Hollywood. And cause you reminded me then when she ran after she got hit already. How everyone became invincible all of a sudden. That's, like, one of the biggest arguments, like, everyone has to hate this. It's just, like, the plot armour of all the main characters. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, what were you expecting? Like, if all the main characters die, like, they should have. Yeah. Like, in that fight, all the main characters, like, they all started on the front line of the battle. Like, there's no way you can start on the front line of that fight and live. Like, that, that's just not happening. So, and then what, you, the only main character you've got left is Cersei and the pirate captain. Like, yeah. And, and it's okay, okay, and if they're not going to die, don't... don't Put them in the crypts all, with Tyrion. Yes, but stop showing me all these miracle ways they survive. It's like, uh, you, Liana Mormon, or whatever her name is, oh yeah, she killed a giant. You mean, 
that o- Oberon Martell got his head popped in by a big human, but she can get picked up by a giant and kill one. Yeah. Okay, and then other ones, you said the Everest one was like, oh yeah, Jorah Mormont. Like, again, this show, everyone, it's always been good because the people were human. Like, you know, the, the first king died from a pig. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah, I remember that. You know, all the, people people died like humans. Small things happened, you died. Infection killed someone, for example. But then Jorah Mormont is like getting stabbed 15 times and stirring him back up and then get, and then dying when his job's done. It's like, whatever. It's just that, that was annoying in that regard. Yeah, I mean, actually, another thing that really annoyed me too, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying a lot of things that really annoyed me, but I actually didn't, like, I did like this episode, but all the crypts, like, right, and those skeletons coming out of the crypts, I mean, A, I don't think there would have been skeletons left with how long those bodies have been in the crypts, um, but whatever. But also, like, they're just skeletons. For, like, they're not skeletons with super strength that can punch through rock. So I don't know... Like, those doors are supposed to be things that multiple people need to, like, work together to open, you know? Yeah. But now, like, these skeletons can somehow, like, crawl out of it, like, punching through rock or something. That, that annoyed me because I, and I... But I also knew it was coming. Like, everyone's like, oh, the crypts are so safe. Let's hide in the crypts. And you're oh, like, yeah, yeah okay. We all knew that was coming. But it just, I think that annoyed me even more because, I like, I was going to be annoyed if it happened and then it happened. Well, that's the thing. The problem with this is that... We predicted like all of this stuff. I mean, that's not because we're geniuses, because they foreshadow all of it. But the only thing we got wrong of like our predictions, pretty much, was like when we said last week what was going to happen, is that we thought Melisandre would like roll would roll in rather than start there. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the only thing we didn't get right. But she was still there. Oh, and we she said, still died there. Like Arya might have killed the dragon. Oh, we said the dragon or the Night King. I think. Yeah, yeah the it's dragon really might die, but whatever. But still, most of it. Like, again, we knew the crypt thing was going to happen. You knew you knew Melisandre was going to come back. You knew you knew that um, Arya probably is going to kill the Night King, like because they foreshadow that stuff too much. It's just yeah, a bit frustrating. And then, but one of the things we mentioned a few times already, like how useless have they made Tyrion? He is like the, it's just the bottom of the, of the rung currently. He doesn't do anything. He hasn't got any character anymore, and he's weak as piss now too. He was never weak. He went to the he went to the front line to get that scar on his face, and they made him weaker than that. He was that person. Yeah, I wish they messed his face up more than like in the the books he like is literally missing half a face like like that's what he looks like and i just wish they did more of that but that's obviously a complaint for like three seasons back but um actually what i was thinking too is because you know how she had that weapon i thought it was going to be like it would have like you could press a button on it or something the weapon she got made and it would like extend out yeah same and so i thought when she jumped Obviously, it was only, like, a second before she killed him, but, like, and he grabbed her hand. I thought that's how it was going to happen. Like, she'd press the button, and it would, the weapon would shoot out into his head. Exactly what But I then she just, like... Yeah, I, I, that's what I thought was happening. And then she just, oh, just daggered him in the chest, but... Yeah, and, and obviously, we know there's going to be a few things to come about the that um, Bran's relationship with the Night King there and how he knew, like, how... The Night King see the future, too. It's like a Bran, but how Bran knew to, like, look at Arya to make him turn because Night King's going to grab Arya's throat, but, like... If you expect the show to go into way, way more detail and stuff after this, it's not coming. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'm interested to see what else they do. What, there's three episodes left or something? There is. There is. Yeah, so well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but... Yeah, and I do feel like, though, because some of these people are going to die, right? These guys with plot armour. They're not all going to live at the end. And I do feel let down by the sense of that these guys, some of them are going to get killed by, like, hired, hired human henchmen are going to kill them. <laughs> you know? So, well, that's great. 
don't don't die in the big, the Great War of Humanity as a hero's death. Go die when you fight Cersei for the the throne that doesn't really matter anymore anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this would probably be my last point, but I thought also I forget his uh, Alfie something. I mean Alfie Allen maybe oh, the, the bloke that plays, plays Theon, Theon. Greyjoy. Yeah. yeah. Like huge. He's done a great job playing Theon over like all these seasons. I reckon he's one of the better actors on this the whole show. Just like all the different types of acting he's had to do because obviously Theon's like no one likes Theon and everything's happened to him. But I just thought he's like nailed it pretty much every season. 100% mate he has had the most notes to him of all the characters because most of the other guys play the same notes throughout it but Theon has been five people yeah and he like every and even like from where he's come and was useless and then he's come back and like ended up having probably his greatest moment as a human just before he died like you know protecting Bran yeah and it just I that's redemption not Matt Lodge that's real redemption right there yeah exactly and it's one of those things again it's like um he he played that that weak terror like terrified person really well, but he played that redemption really well as you mentioned there. Like he he we know he's still not a strong man, but he did his best, which is a which you know guy. But you could really pick it up from the acting, as you say. Yeah, yeah. My last thing I'll try and say some things I did like about it. I did like um, Sandor again has that ter- fear of fire, and like kind of how they had that battle battle going on was pretty cool. I thought. Um, I like Melisander's to return. Uh, I, I I did like uh, when Mel- Melisander's death was pretty good because like Davos had his um he has a pledge to kill her right, but she's like, yeah immortal. But she went and she died in the Game of Thrones way. On on Melisandre too, like when she lit up right the all of the Dothraki hordes blades. Yeah, that was sick. And like we've seen what Dothraki hordes can do. Like they they know how to fight right. And then you just see that shot where they all just ride off. Yeah. And it was one of the last shots in that scene, but just you just see the the blades one by one going out and just to nothing. Yeah. Like that was a I mean for the little you could see because it was mostly black, but that yeah. was a pretty cool scene. Well, see, I have someone. Cause I don't just like the good characters. I like Melisandre the whole way through the series. I thought she was interesting, even when she killed the girl, or whatever. I liked Melisandre the whole way through. So yeah. she died, but she was like that. You, you were a useful character. I like you. You know, she died. I was like, you did, you did some good, good shit. You made made the story interesting. So, but she got a decent, decent ending. But yeah, I did really, I did hate how weak Sansa and Tyrion were. I already told you about the darkness. I hated, and I really have an issue with how easy I, how easy Arya got to to the Night King and people are trying to make things up well maybe she wore the face of a White Walker again the real White Walkers if you get if they stay, if you've seen it when they get stabbed they explode she can't wear their face she just ran up there and killed him <laughs> yeah I just I mean they only explode if you kill stab them with Valyrian steel or dragon glass you could just stab them with a normal knife and then take their face they can't die then though right with a normal knife so how do you take their face like she didn't no, have cause a like, yeah if you look at the battlefield, he like raises everybody. There'd be White yeah. Walkers, like pre- like White Walkers and the army of from Winterfell in there, like all well, mixed in. Well, the rest they're called they're undead. They're right. They're, the real White Walkers, or the what they called the Whites, or whatever, the ones that are with the Night King. Yeah, I don't because like, there's too many different types. Because you got there the twelve is. people that are with him, and then like what's White Walkers and what's not? Yeah. Okay, I'll call I'll call them. Uh, what, I'll just call them the whites, whatever. The ones who are with the Night King. The theory I saw people put out was that she was wearing one of their faces, and no, they'd blow up. Like they did when they died, when when Night King died. It's like she can't have one of their faces and walk in, you know, whatever. Yeah, I I just think they played it that 
she just ran in. Yeah, and like, if she wore a dead person's face, well, who? So what? <laughs> like, <laughs> so what? It just—it's that's not how it happened. I did hate. Yeah, whatever. Oh uh, well, it's one of those things. Like, I'm not going to stop watching the show, and I don't hate the show. Okay, I still I still like the show, but yeah, it's just as you mentioned, it's it, it's a good ish show now. It's not a great show. Yeah, it's definitely not like season two, season three, season four. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Like season th- two and three, it's exceptional because like season one, you're still trying to understand the million characters. <laughs> yeah, you know, and who does what? But yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, I think you've got all your points off. I've got mine off. If you enjoyed the episode, all power to you. It's, I, I, I wish I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I mean, you, I, it just comes down to expectations, I think. Like, I really wasn't expecting much more than a fight for 90 minutes and all the main characters to live, and that's what happens. So. But if, okay, I, I, I could get... If the fight was sick, I could see it. I'd be okay. That's the thing. My expectations were so low, and it still didn't meet them. It's like, it was just... A, it was like... It wasn't even as good as Lord of the Rings fights or anything. It was below that, and those were filmed over a decade ago. I, there was also <laughs> things in the fights which... Like, it, this is just really minor stuff, but it yeah. was just like... I. There's one shot when they're all retreating, and you see the two army of the Unsullied like split in the middle, and people are running it down the middle of it. Yeah. And then when the last one runs through, they all step back and across and like close off that gap. But then you see like almost an identical shot like a minute later, and it's like I don't like just stuff like that. There was it seemed more like continuity errors than much more, which yeah, whatever it is, what it is, it's small stuff to nitpick, but. Yeah, I thought you, you could definitely... There's a lot better fights around the place than that one. Yeah, but I don't know if there's been many that, that invested 50 days into it. And like, that's the thing, it's been coming it's for a, so long. It's a huge amount to invest into that fight. I, I still think the one on the wall where the wildlings were attacking the wall, and that oh, was mate, like a whole episode. I still think that's that was, probably the best one of the, the whole series. That was exceptional. I really enjoyed that fight. Even the Battle of Bastards was pretty good too. And even that, that got pretty Hollywood, but I still enjoyed it. Because <laughs> I could see the bloody thing. Because <laughs> it was a daytime. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, I got I got no more takes for, on Game of Thrones. Uh, well, I probably do, but uh, yeah, I've had enough whinging for the day. I couldn't whinge at the Broncos <laughs> enough, so I whinged about <laughs> Game of Thrones. How long's this episode? An hour and a half, man. We're getting long. Yeah, we are. Anyway, oh, we should mention that there's the, we the next couple of weeks. We're not saying we're not going to podcast, but Simo's p- probably working night shifts. There's potential that we're, we're going to have issues getting a pod out some days. Yeah, we just have to play it how we go. We do. Okay. Anyway, that's all from me. You got anything more, Sim? Oh. Nah, I'm all good. Cheers. See ya. See you guys. Hey! Hey! We're the Broncos, the mighty Broncos. We keep fighting every second till the end. We're the Broncos, the greatest team on earth. We're the heart of all Queensland.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.